Welcome to Fusion Student Ministries. We hope this message equips and encourages you. Hi guys, how y'all doing? So I'm wearing these glasses to make me look more confident, or feel more confident, I should say. I don't know if it's working, because I'm pretty nervous. Alright, so... Jonathan, by the way, there is a bag of stuff back there that you're going to have to pass out. So not right now. All right. So I wanted to do like a little icebreaker before we like jumped into the message. So whenever I was in college as a freshman, um, there was this game that my professor wanted all of us to play to like get to know each other and stuff. Because you have to take like this UL class, the way you get to know UL and it's ridiculous because... It's not necessary. But anyway, so in that class, the um, the professor made us play this game. And what you had to do was write three things about yourself on a note card. Two of them were lies, and one of them were the truth. And what you had to do was you'd turn in the note card, and then the teacher would read all three out to the whole class, and then the class would have to choose which one was the truth. Make sense? So we're going to do that right now so you get to know about me. Woo! How much fun? Yeah. Anyway. All right. So I'm going to give you three things about myself. I don't know how to count. <laughs> Two, three, whatever. Um, two of them are going to be lies, and one of them is going to be the truth. And we're going to vote and see who gets it right. If you get it right, you get a treat. Woo! Yay, you're like, treat. I hope I get it right. All right. So here's the three things. Pay attention so you can vote. All right. One, I have fed a baby tiger. Two, I used to live in California. Three, I have officiated a wedding. All right, so if you think one is the answer, the one is the, the truth, or wait, the, the lie, yeah, whatever. Wait, how does that work? Yeah, one, that's a lie. If you think one is a lie, then raise your hand. I have fed a baby tiger. If you think that's a lie, raise your hand. All right, two, I used to live in California. If you think that's the lie, then raise your hand. And three, I have officiated a wedding. If you think that one's true or lie, raise your hand. There's one lie. I think I said two lies. One lie. I'm sorry. One lie. I know. I messed it up. I'm sorry. One lie. I messed it up. I'm sorry. See, these glasses aren't as confident as, yeah. One lie. All right. I am sorry. <laughs> All right. Let me do it again. All right. So which one is the lie? Got it? One. One lie. Two truths. I'm sorry. One lie. All right. So one, I have fed a baby tiger. If you think that is a lie, raise your hand. All right, two, I used to live in California. If you think that's a lie, raise your hand. Y'all don't know. And rule number, rule number three, I'm like in kids camp mode right now. And number three, I have officiated a wedding. If you think that's a lie, raise your hand. Number two was a lie. I never lived in California. And I also lied because y'all are all going to get a smarty because y'all are all just so smart. All right. Make sure everyone gets some besides the leaders first because, yeah. Really? Really? I'm sorry I screwed it up, guys. That was a hot mess, but it's okay. 
So yes, I have fed a baby tiger before. My nanny works at the Audubon Zoo, and so I got to feed a tiger. And then I have also officiated a wedding. I was the person that married one of my friends in high school, so that was pretty cool. <laughs> no. All right. All right, so as Jonathan's passing those out, I'm going to keep going. So guys, the reason, y'all listening, I'm a teacher, so I'll wait. All right, so guys, the reason I did this little exercise is to introduce the title of my message, Truth Bomb. So cool, huh? Because fireworks, 4th of July, bomb, you gonna, fireworks, yeah. I'm waiting. Like Miss Tina. All right. So many times in this generation, we lose sight of what the truth may be, right? We have so many different opinions around us, so many different things that people tell us. And sometimes it's just hard to distinguish what the truth is and what the lies are, right? So how many of you wholeheartedly believed in Santa Claus as a kid? None of you? Did none of your parents tell you about Santa Claus because they didn't want to lie to you? Is that? Okay. Then never mind. I'm asking the wrong crowd. But anyway... All right, so for some of us, we wholeheartedly believed in Santa Claus, right? And turned out to be a huge lie. And so that's something that can happen in our lives on the daily, right? We can think something is true for such a long time, but in actuality, it's a lie. And so this is an example of what the devil likes to do. He is the most impressive liar you have ever met and you will ever meet. He not only lies to us about who we are, but also the character of God and who God is. He loves to contort the image of who God is. And he loves for us to believe that God has abandoned us, that God has super high expectations that you're never going to meet, that God rejects us when we do wrong, that God causes all the bad things going on in our life, that God doesn't answer us, that he doesn't work on our behalf, that he doesn't walk with us, and the most important one, that God doesn't love us. And so these are all lies that the enemy just loves to constantly throw us, throw at us, sorry, (laughs) I'm sorry, (laughs) throw at us so that we see God as someone that he's not. So I'm going to drop a truth bomb on you tonight so we can unveil these misconceptions of what the enemy likes to do and we speak some truth of who God really is. Is that all right with y'all tonight? All right. So how many of you were at kids camp? A lot of you. So I think my favorite part about camp is when all the kids like declare the truths over themselves. Like, I am valuable. I am loved. Right. And it may seem silly, like as a kid, like declaring that over yourself. But we should wake up every morning and say that we should say he cares about me. He loves me because those are all truths. It may seem silly, but in actuality, it's the truth. So when we go through something hard, lies tend to grab hold more than the truth does. So I want to share some truth bonds with you today, and I'm actually going to take it from the song um, Waymaker. I'm pretty sure most of y'all have heard that song before in the mains. So I'm going to read the lyrics real quick. I'm not going to sing it, even though Jonathan told me I should, because I have an awful voice and y'all would hate me. All right. So come on. Yeah, come on. All right. So it says Waymaker, Miracle Worker, Promise Keeper, Light in the Darkness, My God, that is who you are. And then in the I don't know music, but like the, not the chorus, but like the, yeah, that thingy. It says, you wipe away all tears, you mend the broken heart, you're the answer to it all, Jesus. 
All right, so let's jump into the message. It says four truths of who God is. So number one, he is a way maker. So as we go into these four points, I want to focus on someone's life in the Bible. His name is Saul and then eventually changed to Paul, right? I think he is the perfect example of a man discovering the truth of who God is, right? So most of us probably know that Saul was persecuting Christians back in the day, and then he converted to Christianity. So we're going to read about this in Acts 9. And before we start, I have loads of scripture, which is great, right? But sometimes it can get boring if you're just like listening to, no, Blake's like, no, I love the Bible. Um, so what I want you to do is when I'm reading it, I want you to picture yourself as Saul. Like, use your imaginations. Like, I know y'all have huge imaginations. Y'all are teenagers, right? Y'all think of crazy things. Yes, yes. So I want you to think, I want you to picture yourself as Saul back in the day going through all of this. All right, so verse one. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, so pause right there. The way is what they called like Christianity back in the day, like their group that they formed in for Christianity. So the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I think it's just funny that he's like, who are you, Lord? And like, you're Lord. <laughs> yeah. All right. So Saul asked, I am, Je- I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. He replied, now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. Acts 9, 1 through 9. So there are a few things I want to point out here, right? So I don't know if you could put up verse 2 again, Luke. All right, so it says the men try out. No, no, it's not. Yeah, so it says, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. So I think God is kind of a humorous God, right? He thinks things are funny, and he kind of does things on purpose. So literally Saul was going to imprison anyone who was a part of the way, right? And God is humorous and completely shifts what his path is going to look like. He's going there to imprison all these people that are part of the way, but Instead, God makes him join the way, like he shifts his focus completely. So he's a way maker. <laughs> Look at that. So funny. Connection. Uh, all right. Anyway. So anyway, um, and kind of going into a deeper discussion, I don't know how many of you think that you are too far gone from following the Lord or think you've messed up way too many times. But if he can use a man like Saul, who's about to go imprison all of these Christians, don't you think he can use you? And he will use you. So then we see in verse 5, God instructs him on where to go and what to do next. So we might not always hear the audible voice of God, right? We might not always get this huge light that strikes us on the path to Damascus kind of thing. But we can, um, I'm sorry, but God is always trying to speak to us. We just need to get rid of the distractions to hear him. And I think that's a huge thing for Saul. He was in the synagogue most of those times, like he was, um, like he was, uh, like a, 
not a priest, but he was um, very hypocritical and all those different things. So whenever he was on that path, all those distractions were gone. It was just him and those two guys, and that's where God was able to meet him when all the distractions were clear. And then in verse 8, Saul gets up and is about to be obedient to what the Lord has to do, right? So the Lord's like, I'm sending you to this place. I'm going to tell you what to do next. And he discovers he's blind. Can you imagine that God tells you to do something and then you're completely blind? And you're like, I I don't know where to go. I don't know what to do. Like, I can't even see. And sometimes our life can feel like that, right? How can a blind man see the path up ahead of him that the Lord wants him to follow? So the key thing we need to realize about God being our way maker is that we can't always see. It's not always clear. We may even feel blind sometimes. But I promise you that you can trust God. Just like Saul, he led him there to where he needed to go, even through his blindness. So in John 14, 6, it says, Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And these are just some scriptures for y'all to stand on whenever you're thinking about God being a way maker. Proverbs 3, 6, in all your ways submit to him and he will make your path straight. In Isaiah 43, 15 through 16, I am the Lord, your Holy One, the creator of Israel, your King. Thus says the Lord who makes a way through the sea and a path through the mighty waters. So those are truths that we can hold on to, that God is our way maker. All right, so we're going to go to point two, which is he is a miracle worker. So we're just going to continue in the story. So remember, put yourself in his position. So it says, in Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it, placing his hands on Saul. He said, Brother Saul, the Lord, Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized. So the first miracle I want to talk about is his physical miracle, right? So it says his eyes were open and it was like scales fell from his eyes. So he was healed physically. God healed him physically. But if we keep reading, it says at once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the son of God. All those who heard him were astonished and asked, isn't he the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who call on his name? And hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priests? Yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Messiah. So. He was, he had a miracle physically, but then more importantly, he had a miracle inside of his heart, right? He had a spiritual encounter with the Lord and he was completely changed. He went from persecuting Christians to preaching and proclaiming Jesus as the Messiah. So that's a huge miracle, like going from imprisoning people to just completely changing to the opposite side of the woods, right? So I think something to notice is that a miracle may not always look like what we thought it would. So I'm pretty sure Saul didn't expect for him to walk down that path leading to go to persecute all those Christians and then 
end up having this miracle happen to him, right? Some of you might be needing a miracle in your home, maybe in your friend group, in your family, maybe physically or spiritually in your own life. And you probably have thought to yourself, like, this is what the miracle is going to look like, right? I'm praying to God. I'm asking him for this, this, and this. And this is what it's going to look like in my life. So let me just encourage you not to give up hope and trusting that God is going to give you your miracle. Um, and I'm kind of, I might get emotional. Um, I'm kind of going to let y'all into a little piece of my life. Um, so when I was younger, my mom got saved, but my dad is still not saved at this point. Um, and so every year for prayer and fasting, I would pray that my, God, my dad would get saved, right? And that was a huge deal for me. Every prayer and fasting, like, I really didn't even have any other prayer requests. I'm like, I'm just praying for my dad. Like, God, just give me this one thing and I'll be satisfied, you know? And so um, I've been here since I was seven, I think. So whenever I, like, grew up to being, like, 10 or 11 around that age, that's when I started, like, praying for my dad consistently. Um, And at this point, he's still not saved. But the other day, my mom was talking to me and she was saying um, that she was having some pain um, in her body. And my dad turned to her and he said, can I pray for you? And so even though I know he's not saved, like that's a huge deal, you know? And so that's why I just wanted to say that story because even though it's not a huge blown out, like miracle, man, he got saved. He got radically changed. He's preaching in churches. It may not look like that, but for me, that was a small miracle that I needed to see, if that makes sense. So it may not be in the time frame that you want, and it may not look like how you want it to, but hold fast to the truth that God is a miracle worker. He was for Saul, and he will be for you. All right, and so we go into number three. He is a promise keeper. So going to read some more scripture. Y'all just hold on for a little bit longer. I promise I'm not going to be that much longer. All right. So let's keep reading. It says, after many days had gone by, there was a conspiracy among the Jews to kill him. But Saul learned of their plan day and night that kept close watch on the city gates in order to kill him. But his followers took him by night and lowered him in a basket through an opening in the wall. When he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. He talked and debated with the Hellenistic Jews, but they tried to kill him. When the believers learned of this, they took him down to Caesarea. I guess, and sent him off to Tarsus. Then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthened, living in the fear of the Lord, encouraged by the Holy Spirit, and increased in numbers. So if we go back to Acts 9.15 for just a second, we read the promise that God makes for Saul. So it says, But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. So even though that doesn't seem like a very nice promise that he's going to have to suffer and all those different things, he did say, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name. So easily Saul could have been murdered like at least twice, and he wouldn't have been an instrument to proclaim the gospel or the name of Jesus, right? But God is faithful to his promises, and God was working behind the scenes during that whole thing, right? He was making sure Barnabas was making sure he was protected and he was safe. 
So sometimes things happen in life and we might think like, man, God is just not keeping his promises. Like I read his word every day. He says he's going to do this. He says he's going to do that, but it's just not happening. But sometimes God's just working behind the scenes of things that we, we just don't even know. And it doesn't mean that God's promises aren't true or they don't pertain to us. He is a promise keeper and he might be working behind the scenes right now in your life as well. So in 2 Peter 1, 4, it says, And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. So this happened exactly in Saul's life. He was able to experience the glory and excellence of God's promises and able to share in his divine nature and escape death, basically, because God was faithful to his promises. All right, and my last point, number four, he is a light in the darkness. All right, so this is probably the longest scripture that I have. It's like a few pages, but it's really good. So please listen. It's good. All right, Acts 26, 1 through 18. Agrippa said to Paul, you have permission to speak for yourself. Then Paul stretched out his hand and began his defense. King Agrippa, I consider myself fortunate to stand before you today to defend myself against all the accusations of the Jews, especially since you are acquainted with all the Jewish customs and controversies. I beg you, therefore, to listen to me patiently. Surely all the Jews know how I have lived from the earliest days of my youth among my own people and in Jerusalem. They have known me for a long time and could testify if they are willing that I lived as a Pharisee, adhering to the strictest sect of our religion. And now I stand on trial because of my hope in the promise that God made to our fathers, the promise our 12 tribes are hoping to realize as they earnestly serve God day and night. It is because of this hope, O King, that I am accused by the Jews, why would any of you consider it incredible that God raises the dead? So then I too was convinced that I ought to do all I could do to oppose the name of Jesus of Nazareth and that it is what I did in Jerusalem. With authority from the chief priests, I put many of the saints in prison and when they were condemned to death, I cast my vote against them. I frequently had them punished in the synagogues and tried to make them blasphemy. In my raging fury against them, I even went to foreign cities to persecute them. In this pursuit, I was on my way to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priests. About noon, O king, as I was on the road, I saw a light from heaven brighter than the sun shining around me and my companions. We all fell to the ground and I heard a voice say to me in Aramaic, I saw, I saw, why do you persecute me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. Who are you, Lord? I asked. I am Jesus whom you are persecuting, the Lord replied. But get up and stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and as a witness of what you have seen from me and what I will show you. I will rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles. I am sending you to them to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among these sanctified by faith in me. So after all that, I can't think of a better way to end my message. Like, that is just so powerful, everything that he said. How many of us have just been so worn out, so tired of the way we're living? How many of us are tired of the sin we're in? How many of us just want to give up? How many of us just seem to be surrounded by darkness most of the time? But look, look at Saul's life. He was corrupt. He was in the darkest part of his life. And look how God changed him. In the midst of all those terrible things Saul was in, God showed up. He was the light in the darkness. He literally showed his light in the midst of his darkest place. 
He didn't see a failure when he saw Saul. Everyone else might have seen that. He didn't see a terrible person. He didn't see a persecutor. He didn't see a murderer. He didn't see a hypocrite. He saw someone who was radical and who was capable of changing the world if he would only change his heart. So God can shine in his, his light in the darkest places of your life if you only turn your heart towards him. So at this time, y'all can stand. I'm going to close it up. So I don't know how many of you have been feeling in one of these ways that maybe you aren't sure of your purpose. You aren't sure of the path you should take. Maybe you need a miracle in your life, maybe physically, spiritually, maybe in your family. Maybe you've been feeling like you can't trust God's promises anymore. Maybe you felt like darkness has just been surrounding you for such a long time and you want God to come into your situation. I want to reread that last part of the song. It says, you wipe away all tears. You mend the broken heart. You're the answer to it all, Jesus. In the midst of any one of those things that I just said, you may have been feeling brokenhearted, like something has really hurt you and you need God to heal your heart. But let me just encourage you that in all these things, that right there in the song, it says it, you're the answer to it all. God is the answer to it all. He is a way maker. He is a miracle worker. He's the promise keeper. He's the light in your darkness. He mends the brokenhearted. He is our answer. And so what I want to do is I want to pray for you. But I really want to encourage you guys, if you're struggling with any one of those things, if you need a miracle, if you're struggling to find your path, to find your way, if you just feel like you're in this dark place, whatever it may be, I want to encourage you after I pray for you all to come up and get prayer. Prayer changes things, guys. And we want to stand with you all. And we want to agree with you all that things are going to change, that he's our answer. So I'm just going to pray over y'all. God, I just thank you for this opportunity for me to speak, God. God, you are so good and you are so holy. I just thank you for this message you put on my heart, Lord God. And I just thank you that you minister to me, Lord God. Even in the midst of me feeling like I don't have a purpose, you reach out and you've called me by name. You called each of us by name, Lord God. In the midst of feeling like I need a miracle, you're there. Whenever I feel like everyone has broken their promises, I know I can depend on you in the midst of that, Lord God. Whenever I feel like I'm in a dark place, God, you are the light that just draws me to you, Lord Jesus. God, I just pray that over each and every one of these students and leaders in here right now, Lord God. God, I just thank you for them. I thank you for their heart. I thank you for the life that they're living, Lord God. I thank you that you are just going to supernaturally touch each and every one of them, Lord God. I pray that one thing has touched them tonight, that they're going to carry one of these things out, Lord God. Whether it's knowing that you're a way maker, a miracle worker, a promise keeper, that you're the light in their darkness, God. I pray that you are just touching each and every one of them right now. In Jesus' name, I just declare that you seal this over our hearts. You seal this over our minds, Lord God, and that we will never forget that you are our answer to all the issues, all the problems, all the circumstances, all the things going on in our lives, that you are our answer. We can depend and we can trust in you, Lord God. God, I thank you. I honor you.
thank you that I can be a vessel for you, Lord Jesus. God, I pray protection over each and every one of these students. I pray that you're with them, that you go with them, that your love surrounds them. Keep them safe. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Again, thanks for joining us. For more info on Fusion, you can check us out on Facebook or Instagram. Thank you.